from a sales perspective, you kind of have to make a decision. Do you stay as a sales professional, uh, which is an awesome opportunity, an awesome job, or do you move over into leadership? Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome to the Gentle Art of Crushing It podcast, Passive Investing Edition. My name's Randy, and I'll be your host today. And we have got a fantastic guest with us today, Stephen Louie from Vertical Street Ventures. Uh, welcome to the show, Stephen. Hey, thanks, Randy. Really uh, excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, Stephen and I, we go back a little bit. He and I connected prior to me leaving my W-2 when I was working in my financial services position, and I helped him in the business with some of their their lending tools. So I know Vertical Street extremely well and just really, really excited to have Stephen on the show to kind of walk through his journey. So Stephen, can you uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your past, kind of what what drove you or how you found passive investing and what you guys are doing today? Yeah, no, thanks, Randy. I'm happy to kind of dig into a little bit of uh, what got me into passive investing. Um, so really, uh, if you look at uh, my background, I started, uh, I'm really a corporate America individual. I call my story really cubicle to corner office. So started in a cubicle, started as an underwriter on the financial side, uh, working for a healthcare organization. Um, really realized that I couldn't sit still in a cubicle all that time. So I got an opportunity to kind of move to a business development role. And um, that was working for a company called MetLife on the institutional sales side, W-2 employee. Uh, and in that role, really thrived uh, top five sales rep for the eight years I was in sales there. And then one of the things, as you're aware, from a sales perspective, you kind of have to make a decision. Do you stay as a sales professional, uh, which is an awesome opportunity, an awesome job, or do you move over into leadership? I always say that I was blessed to kind of go and move into that leadership role. And then yeah. the last uh, part of my career, I ended up all in leadership, uh, leading half of the country for some of MetLife's uh, uh, institutional ancillary benefits on the voluntary side. Um, and then most recently, uh, prior to leaving my corporate job in 2020, I spent about 10 years working at a consulting firm called Mercer, where I was the um, office leader, growth team leader for Southern California, overseeing uh, their health, their wealth, and their management or people side of the business. And so that was a great opportunity to hone in on a lot of my skills. But the one thing that um, I was very fortunate is about halfway through my career, I was introduced into real estate. My uh, financial planner, CPA at the time said, there might be some great opportunities from a tax perspective if you invest in real estate. And that's where my real estate journey around uh, passive income came about. Uh, the first thing was I started investing in single family homes. And those single family homes uh, started to build passive income. My first investment happened to be in um, the Ohio marketplace. Uh, and that Ohio marketplace uh, 
think it was about a $35,000 property. It produced $600 of cash flow. Uh, we still have that property today. And uh, I bet. that's how I that kind of built that entire portfolio. So we built a pretty strong sure. portfolio across the board. Okay. Um, so, so how many how many single families did you grow that portfolio to before shifting gears over to the passive side? Yeah. So we, we had about 10 uh, single family homes, including fourplexes and duplexes. Okay. Uh, start, and I do live in uh, Southern California, and okay. uh, uh, but I uh, invest in states that are a little bit more landlord friendly. And so okay. that, that's the Arizona, Ohio, Florida, Texas, Tennessee. And some of those yeah. states, we started to invest sing in single family homes. And the price points were much more reasonable. And uh, probably after about 10 of those single family homes, um, somebody introduced me into uh, multifamily and that was about five years ago. And okay. uh, from there I educated myself and uh, started investing uh, pretty heavily passively, similar to like yourself in uh, multifamily uh, syndications. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's that point in every single family, maybe not every, but most single family uh, rental owners investing journey where they make the decision to jump to multifamily. And I can assume you did it for the same reasons as I did, but for the listeners, can you walk us through what some of the reasons were why you started looking at multifamily compared to single family? Yeah. Yeah. Well, initially when I, I um, initially when I got into investing into single family homes, mm -hmm. it really was to supplement my W2 income. And then as I started to continue, I said, oh, let's see if what we can do to replace my uh, W-2 income. But yeah. realizing I would need probably 100 single family homes to actually make that happen. And yeah. uh, surprisingly enough, I went to a meetup right around the corner from my house. I typically not a meetup type guy. I just never, uh, never wanted to just open up to people that I really didn't know. And I went to that meetup and I met one individual who was is, is still one of my business partners. And we kind of connected and he said, you need to actually go into multifamily. You'll be so surprised, multifamily investing or apartment investing. Yeah, and you'll sure. be so surprised about uh, uh, the ability to um, create appreciation or force that appreciation. And yeah. uh, everything is based on running a business as opposed to normal comps. And that was the, the kind of the aha moment when he explained that you're running a business versus basing everything on the comps of the particular area like single family homes are. And that was kind of my lean in towards moving into multifamily. And uh, like I mentioned, I got trained uh, uh, through a, a, a coaching program, really okay. tried to double down on my knowledge on that while I was doing my W-2 job. I became a, an LP, a limited partner on multiple deals and then became a key, key principal, a KP uh, on, okay. on multiple deals, and then a GP on those opportunities. And so uh, it kind of led into that. And then I was really focused really in the Texas marketplace, uh, but found it a little bit challenging while I was doing my W-2 job and not having actual boots on the ground in that particular area. And so really applied all those principles probably about five years ago in the Arizona marketplace. And that's where... Uh, uh, we started to thrive in terms of uh, a, a general partnership perspective. Okay. So, yeah, that was a, a big span and being yeah. corporate America guy, lots of acronyms as well, which we'll, we'll come yeah. back to some of those. But I'd love to dig in if we can about 
uh, that period where you started investing heavily in LPs as an LP. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you found deals, maybe some of your due diligence process or how you vetted operators or what kind of things were you looking for when you were choosing where you were going to put your dollars? Well, well, the first thing is uh, we we all know is uh, finding the right markets to invest in, and so mm -hmm. typically uh, those would be ones that uh, favor uh, uh, that are landlord friendly as opposed to uh, potentially tenant friendly that allows you the opportunity to improve on the value of the property and increase uh, some of the, the the rents and making it a better place for residents to stay. And so if you can find some of those key locations, that's where we really targeted. Um, I think I had mentioned in, in the Texas marketplace, it, it does uh, bode very well for uh, investments and uh, there's no state income tax. So there's a lot of favorable attributes to investing in, in Texas and, and in Arizona. So um, I, I, one of the key things that I had mentioned earlier is, uh, you know, attending meetups, attending network groups, attending uh webinars seminars and that's when we when a lot of the things were live as well and so the live interaction and meeting other individuals that are like-minded uh in terms of their passive investment mm -hmm. needs and sharing those ideas uh you 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 meet and find other individuals that are very much similar to your mentality or have the same yep. mentality as myself and that allowed me to kind of look in and do a little bit more uh, due diligence on individuals and invest passively uh, in them. So it's really, again, broadening your network, opening yourself out to go to these meetups and, and webinars because everybody starts somewhere. And mm -hmm. I started in the same capacity that um, both of us had started, right? We started yeah. uh, meeting other individuals. We started going to those meetups. And the next thing you know, you meet an operator that you feel comfortable with. And yeah. one of the key things I would always say, um, do your due diligence on the operator itself. Um, uh, okay. I did mention some terminology too. So LP would be limited partner. So uh, sure. I invested in multiple different deals and I, I found that um, that was a great opportunity for me to really understand how each of the different operators worked. Yeah. And then in some cases, I actually became a key principal, which is really signing on the actual loan, which really gave me the opportunity to have that experience to be um, on that Fannie or Freddie agency loan. And yeah. so I really, for my purposes, I didn't get paid for that. A lot of people do get paid for signing on loans, but since mm -hmm. I was so brand new to quote multifamily investing, I did not get compensated on that. Uh, and, but some of them went well, uh, Randy, to be honest with you, and some of them didn't go as, as, as well. And then okay. that's really um, how I took the steps from going from limited partnership to over to the general partnership side. Um, okay. Today, I have probably 35 plus passive investments, which help uh, feed uh, the overall passive income stream that comes about uh, through, uh, through investing. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think that's, uh, it's a, it's an interesting journey that I see a lot of people go from W2 to slightly active to passive investor, and then they become more active. So what initially was the driving force to move from, to get away from the W2 quite often turns into becoming a GP and building this, this great business as well. So, um, you know, you end up 
pushing real hard to get away from that. And then you end up in a large organization if you do well, um, but you're running your own business at this point and you're not taking, taking orders from the tower. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm curious in that process when you had the opportunity to be a KP on a deal and then you started looking was, was the goal from the beginning when you started LP investing was the goal to become a GP at some point or did you think that maybe passive investing would be the end game at any point? Yeah. The original intent was really to uh, build a passive income stream alongside my W-2 job. Okay. And then as I saw the potential income streams that do come about relative to um, the multifamily um, apartment investing arena or ecosystem, uh, it kind of allowed me, wow, I do have all the skill sets out yeah. there from a you know, finance perspective, from a leadership perspective, from a business development perspective. And so fairly well-rounded from those pieces to actually, as you'd mentioned, move into maybe that entrepreneur's uh, standpoint. And so the really original intent was really to just build a passive income stream to supplement my W-2 income. And then I realized that there's a lot of additional tax benefits that entrepreneurs take advantage of as opposed to W-2 wage earners. So as uh, both of us know uh, from a a sales perspective, in uh, W-2 sales perspective, as we continue to make more and more money, we get taxed a little bit more and more. And so we we had to, you have to kind of be creative around, well, there's not a lot of creativity that actually can happen as a W-2 wage earner. As an entrepreneur, uh, there's a lot of different tax advantages, i.e. real estate professional, those types of things that do uh, encourage uh, entrepreneurs to thrive within the current uh, system that we're in today. Okay. Now, yeah, and actually you bring up bring up a topic which we've talked about a number of times on this podcast, but it's really the unicorn of trying to, one, create significant income while also being able to designate as a real estate professional. And if you can do those two things, um, wealth generation becomes much, much easier and, um, you know, almost guaranteed if you can get to that point. So, yeah, very neat. Well, I'm, I'm curious, as you as you moved into the GP space and got a little bit more active in, in uh, multifamily, you mentioned that you joined a mentorship group. Can you talk about your experience with that? And is that something you suggest for people that are looking to get into the space, even if they're just doing it as a passive investor? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question, Randy. So uh, for, for me, it, it was actually uh, a game changer to be part of a mentorship and coaching program. So it, uh, while I was a busy working W-2 professional, I had a, it was very challenging to uh, try to learn how to invest, even invest passively into multifamily. And if you, the coaching programs that are out there, what they do is they uh, speed up the process. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're just signing up with another guru that's going to uh, kind of take your dollars. And if it's what you put into it. So um, I doubled down on it. It, it, it tremendously helped me uh, um, speed up the process. And then, you know, the price that I paid could have been an error that you make on your own uh, mm-hmm. that, that could cost you more than the price of admission for these mentoring programs. And so uh, it's really up to the individual and how much time they could commit to the overall 
uh, time. So I spent a lot of my time, as we both know, W-2 jobs take a lot of time and energy, mm -hmm. uh, especially anything in a business development role. And I just spent uh, just allocated time from like nine o'clock to one o'clock in the morning uh, wow. in, uh, trying to learn how to um, become a better LP and then mm -hmm. also become a general partnership. So I would highly recommend those programs for busy professionals. I, I do believe it's a, a, um, an opportunity for them to learn or anybody that wants to learn the process. It's just like um, both of us have been in, in sales. You can read a book on sales and you can do that yeah. until you've actually stepped into it and walk the walk that walk. Uh, it, it is actually uh, much more different in terms of how you have to flex your style, how you have to work with different uh, challenging yeah. individuals or people that are, are non-challenging. And th those are the things that um, you definitely learn from your uh, from these mentoring type programs out there. And so I would say absolutely for me, uh, it, it has continued to help us uh, as a team thrive because we were part of these programs. Okay. Yeah, it's great. And I, I know we'll talk a little bit about this later, but you guys have some great options that are available for folks wanting to become active or even possibly the passive investor. So we'll, we'll certainly talk about those. Um, so let's talk, if we can, a little bit about that first. Um, you, you signed on the deal, on a couple of deals as a KP, but let's talk about that first active multifamily deal that you did. I would imagine even with all the training in the world, that's got to be a, a fairly nerve wracking experience to put out the LOI and um, probably even more so for them to accept it. So I'm curious your your experience yeah. and perspective yeah. on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you kind of always remember your first uh, first opportunity or first deal. And um, I'm sure, you know, um, I, like I mentioned, I was trying really hard to get a general partnership deal in uh, the, the uh, specifically the Dallas marketplace. And it was pretty challenging just from the commute yeah. and everything while I was uh working my corporate job. And so I, I had made a decision that let's just focus on something that's a little bit closer that has all the attributes similar to um, uh, Texas. And we we decided to kind of double down in Arizona. And so I, I you know, we, you know, so I challenge everybody to, you know, sit down and, and figure out what's, where's the best uh, market to work, work in and then what's going to work best for you and your partners. And what we did is um, I took off a, about a week from my corporate job, took PTO, and I went into Arizona and met with every single broker out there, every single property manager, and then all the attorneys and tried to build a team. Team, you know, multifamily, I love multifamily because it's a team sport. Single family, yeah. I always say, they call it single for a reason. You can do it by yourself. Uh, multifamily, it's very challenging to do it all by yourself. It's gonna take multiple team members to do that. and. Um, uh, do, in, in that, uh, our first opportunity happened to be a smaller one in the Phoenix marketplace. While I was out there visiting with all the brokers, and it's about building true, solid relationships with them as opposed to just trying to get their card and moving on to the next one. So my, my key sure. thing is I'd rather have some key, strong relationships as opposed to a whole bunch of relationships that are kind of... Um, on the surface level. And so okay. that's something I would challenge everybody if they wanted to get into the general partnership uh, type arrangement from limited partner to GP, then um, you, you do have to build those relationships. And so one of the key things, we built this very strong relationship just after one meeting uh, with one of the largest brokers out in, um, in Phoenix. 
Mm-hmm. And as we were driving around to all of the different uh, properties and, and, and looking at the market, understanding the different sub markets there, received a phone call from them and said, hey, we have an opportunity. Do you want to actually want to take a look at it? And so we looked at it uh, and that was our first trip out there after, uh-huh. after uh, looking at it. They said, oh, you can kind of put this under contract. This could be your start in moving you. Uh, it, you, you have to start somewhere. This could be a great yeah. one to do. And it was a 28 unit, mostly, uh, I think 24, two bedrooms and four, one bedrooms. And, uh, it needed a pretty heavy rehab, probably about $25,000 of rehab per door. And, uh, th- that, opportunity, I, we still actually have that opportunity on the books. We've done a full cash out refinance on it. All the dollars, uh, got back to all of the investors, which was great. And now it's, uh, what they call quote an infinite return uh, on the books, and um, that one opportunity with um, uh, with with the with the broker then led to another off market opportunity of a thirty five unit. They said, "Hey, okay. you've done such a good job of executing on this one. Here's the next one," yeah. and then we got another one that was a uh, one hundred twenty six unit, and then our trajectory started to move from there. So the hardest part. Um, you know, at least be, because I, I took all those training courses, I spent over a year in Dallas and Texas trying to become a GP, underwrote multiple different deals. But then once we went to Arizona, we really didn't have to underwrite that many opportunities. But I understood what 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 were the triggers that yep. uh, uh, the, the broker needed and the ability to close and the confidence to close. And so. Um, you know, what, what, what I always encourage is individuals should, if they're going to be meeting with brokers, come with a resume of your background. My resume okay. had all my LP opportunities on there. Those yep. that I were KP and GP. If you're a KP, you're really a GP, key principal versus a general partner. If you're signing sure. on the loan. You're a general partner. I just happened to not get compensated or paid for that. And that was sure. um, the opportunity that I said, I want to be into this deal so that I could improve on that. And then um, uh, that was kind of the start of it, Randy. And so that that was so yeah. exciting uh, to see. A lot of hiccups did come about because of that, though, too. Um, I'm sure. You know, you know um, we went through one, two. We had uh, three property managers on, on that. Okay. So, that, But why not do that on a little bit smaller property as opposed <laughs> to a larger one? So you sure. could be on a 28 unit or you, I always say you can add a zero and you can be on a 280 unit. However, the the opportunity cost uh, of losing something, uh, you know, I, I felt that we probably should start on the smaller level. Um, and there's different people. Everybody has different philosophies out there. Hey, you go larger, there's economy of scale, which I completely believe. But at the same time, sometimes doing smaller type opportunities uh, in terms of number of units is not a, not a negative as well. And mm-hmm. I'd have to say those, I still have both of those two properties under uh, my portfolio. And uh, both of them are infinite returns at this point in time for for beautiful. myself and the investors that are invested in it. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and it, it's an interesting thing. You'll hear a lot of people that talk about just going big right out of the gates. That um, it, it's quite often easier because you can have on-site property management and maintenance and those types of things. But yeah, I, I would probably lean your way to say let's start a little bit smaller and then grow from there because clearly. After you got your first deal, the second deal came pretty quickly and third and fourth and fifth. 
And uh, the trajectory has just been extremely impressive from that point. So I, I'm curious on that first deal, did you actually syndicate that first deal or was that just a JV opportunity? Well, we considered syndicating it. And then what we did is some of the individuals that I um, was in the mentorship group that I had met, we Got just it. did a joint venture on that. And so yeah. uh, that was kind of the initial steps into getting into syndication. And you really do have to be careful uh, when you are using other individuals' money. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. syndication is really a group of like-minded individuals getting together to help with the down payment of the property, essentially, right? Yep. And so anytime you take other individuals or investors' dollars, we really have to make sure that we are um, treating it like our own money and what have you. And so I said, what better way to do it with a few individuals first? And yeah. so that kind of led to the syndications on all of our future ones are, are, are typically syndications. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I, I think as a passive investor um, who I've, I've vetted a number of different operators, I always feel more confident um, betting with operators that have some experience versus having funding their education process on the first deal. So as a passive investor, I love to see people that have done that, people that have bet on themselves, invested in themselves, joined mentorship groups, because I know the benefit that comes along with those mentorship groups. And if you've got somebody um, who has gone before you and seen success as part of your team on those first deals, then clearly um, they're going to be able to step in and notice the things when things go south or be able to assist with the, with their experience as well. So yeah, super, super exciting. So tell me about Vertical Street today. I know you guys have had just huge growth in the last years. It seems like not a day passes that I don't, or a week that I don't see a promotion or a new hire or some new and exciting thing that you guys are doing. Tell me, tell me about yeah. Vertical Street if you can. Yeah, no, we're, we've been very blessed and uh, to be in the situation that we are today. Um, you know, all three of us that are the managing partners, uh, Kyle Mitchell, Jenny Gu, uh, myself, uh, Steve Louie, yeah, we um, really, um, it's a team sport and we've been able to grow this business uh, tremendously uh, across the board. You know, it all started with, uh, like you said, Randy, uh, passive investing, and then we've moved into a general partnership and so we we have a investment firm and we do syndications and the key thing that we do is we focus uh all in the arizona marketplace so of the 21 syndications that we have there's one that happens to be in dallas all the rest are uh kind of split about equally between phoenix and tucson right so very obviously landlord friendly state and uh, very business friendly as well where you're seeing a lot of individuals migrate over to um, from California over to uh, both mm -hmm. Phoenix and, and, and Texas, but really a focused approach in the Arizona marketplace. And so that's one of the one one of our businesses. And then the other thing, um, we're getting so many individuals asking us how we did it. How do you do this? What steps mm -hmm. we need to take our corporate backgrounds in leadership and leading and coaching and mentoring people? kind of uh, allowed us to say, hey, let's let's put together a mentoring program that's out there. Mm -hmm. And so we also have a coaching and mentoring program, uh, the VSV Academy, where we uh, really we, we host seminars that are out there, you know, a couple of times a year. We have different podcasts and what have you that we mm -hmm. encourage people and we teach people how to invest in multifamily, both passively and actively uh, across the board. 
And because we can't sit still too, so much, we also created a CPA firm all centric around real estate. And so we have um, Kiyoshi Simon leads up uh, our practice on that. We have multiple CPAs that are a part of our team and they take, uh, they're responsible for uh, mainly uh, a lot of real estate centric uh, and business centric um, uh, investors that are out there. And so that's another uh, line that has grown tremendously. So I'd say those are okay. kind of our, our three pillars. We have a really strong syndication business in, in Arizona, as you know, and then we um, also have our uh, Vertical Street Ventures Academy, where we teach people how to invest in multifamily and become mm -hmm. general partners. And then lastly, we, we do have um, a CPA uh, uh, firm that uh, really allows us to help individuals uh, around things like real estate professional and on their, their tax planning and taxes throughout the year. And, and, and I believe you've also got a conference coming up in March, which is available to yeah, the April, public. April 28th, April 28th. Yeah. So 28th. Okay. April 28th, okay. We have okay. a conference uh, coming up and that's going to be at the talking stick uh, right there in uh, 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 the Phoenix uh, market there. And so pretty excited about that. Uh, we'll, we'll have multiple different speakers come out, just educating individuals on, uh, uh, how to invest in multifamily, uh, had, had a lot of success uh, on that. And we're super excited uh, uh, about that. And so, um, okay. if you have any interest, you can go right onto our website too. And our website, you can, uh, kind of sign up uh, directly and, and sign up for a ticket if you'd like. Perfect. Perfect. Well, like clearly you have a tremendous amount of experience, not only in this space, you had, uh, 25 plus year corporate America sales and sales leadership roles, lots of success there. Um, what, what kind of advice can you offer to the newer passive investor that's trying to do exactly what you did, supplement their income in the W-2 with maybe the hopes of replacing it at some point? What would be some good first steps for them uh, to take away from this call? Yeah, you know, the first thing as you're a W-2 um, employee, I, my always philosophy is do your job well and great things will happen. So the first thing you really have to do is really, uh, you know, focus on your W-2 job and do a really good job on that. And you, so I've seen the most successful people uh, put their time and effort into their W-2 job. And when you do that with, and if you fundamentally do that in, in that type of environment, you can also do that in any other type of investing environment. And so a lot of it is mindset. So if we think we cannot do it, we can't do it. But if you think you have the ability to do that, I'd say you should lean in and do that. But the first step is you have to be good at your trade initially, whatever that is. Uh, and um, treat that as an, a great opportunity to be working at that W-2 job. A lot of people really don't um, realize how fortunate we are to actually have those corporate jobs. And so that's the number one thing. And then yeah. two, um, I would say th those corporate jobs can always, uh, uh, there's a lot of transitions and th those things could change for one reason or another. You decide to leave on your own or, or the company can actually tell you to move on uh, and, and give you some of those directions. And if they yeah. do, you always, you should consider always building a passive income stream because uh, there's always another 
super talented individual that could always replace you. That's what I always say. And so my key thing was, hey, let's build that passive income stream. But I had the initial drive and thought process to actually do that. And in order to, and, and I would say, I'd recommend if you wanted to do that, you know, look into some type of coaching program to actually help you educate yourself around um, multifamily or apartment investing. And I truly believe that it's one of the uh, investments that will stand, uh, the real estate investments that will stand pretty firm or mm -hmm. throughout uh, the entire, um, if, excuse me, if you, if you looked at any of the investments that are out there between retail and uh, student housing and multifamily, I really am a fan of multifamily housing because people always need a place to live. Yeah, so I think I answered your question there, Randy. No, 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 you absolutely did. And, and I love that you said that too. Like, like whatever you're doing now, be the best that you possibly can be at that. And it, it will put you in a position where you're creating significant income that partners perfectly with becoming an LP in the space. And, you know, if you do that long enough, you will accumulate enough passive income to where you have a lot of different options. And in the in the event that something were to change with your career, it is not a catastrophic event. It's something that quite often can be just a blessing as it, as it has been for myself. So um, thank you for that. And that that's advice that I, I, would, I would give to anybody in corporate America or investing or whatever it is. Just be so good. They can't ignore you and be the best of the best. So the other, the well other key thing, as I just thought about it, Randy, is the um, yeah. relationships too, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's, there, I, I, I do believe that everybody has the capacity to on the financial side and, and can underwrite a deal, right? And so I think mm -hmm. everybody has, because it's numbers are kind of numbers and um, you and I could underwrite a deal and it's going to probably look somewhat similar at the end of the day, mm -hmm. uh, but the yeah. ability to build solid relationships with individuals out there is tremendous. And I think a lot of times we forget about that. We, we go to these mentoring groups, or excuse me, we go to these uh, meetups and those meetups, you're passing out cards and you're doing all that other stuff. And you go, oh, I got a stack of cards. It really, and that was my thing. Oh, let's, how many cards could I get? But reality is yeah. the quality of the individual contacts that you meet and, yeah. uh, and, and the time you spend with them. And, and I think that's one of the key things that I impress on our entire team is it's really about building that key relationship with individuals in order to, in order to really drive some yeah. end results. Yeah, very, very like great, great advice. Go, go to an event or a mastermind or a mentorship group with the goal of building relationships. And I, I'm a part of a couple of different communities, and the biggest value I get from those communities quite often isn't the content; it's the people that I'm meeting, the future partners that I'm meeting potential investors that I'm meeting that, um, you know, it's just one connection away from an amazing deal or opportunity. So really, really good stuff. Uh, Steven, I knew, I knew you'd bring a ton of value and of, of course you did. Thank you so much. Um, I do have a few things that I, or a few questions I like to ask at the end of my podcast that will, um, that I like to ask everybody. So I'm curious, is there, is there one specific book or one podcast that you might suggest to, uh, our audience that could help them on this path? Um, yeah. You know, so the, the one book that I, I really uh, like is the cash flow quadrant. And so mm. uh, really uh, that that really, as you read that, that's a rich dad, poor dad book and uh, really helps you understand where you want to sit in terms of the quadrants. And so, you know, um, uh, 
Uh, I've always been um, on the, um, the left side of the quadrant as a W-2 wage earner and yeah. moving over to a business owner and an investor. You see a lot of different tax advantage to that. So that was kind of the eye-opening um, type of uh, the eye-opening kind of book that kind of changed my overall trajectory. And so the cash flow quadrant was uh, kind of a key instrumental tool that was uh, that, that I was able to use in, in getting me to change some of my mindset uh, there. And then in terms of podcasts, I am always a fan of our, our podcasts too. So uh, we have a podcast and uh, uh, that uh, Vertical Street Ventures uh, Passive Income, and you can always uh, go onto our website and listen to that. And so we have a lot of great opportunities and tools to learn how to be a passive investor within our own website there. Really good. Yeah, no, definitely. I was, I was a big fan and am a big fan of the podcast. Listen to it back when Kyle was, was the host on that and learned a ton from him. And actually, I think that's, that's probably how I found you guys initially was through, through Kyle's podcast at the time. So, um, so kind of a fun one here. I'm curious. Uh, have you checked a bucket list item off of your bucket list in the recent past? Anything you'd care to share with the audience? Bucket list, bucket list. Um, well, some of my bucket list was to uh, leave corporate America, right? So yep, yep, I, that's definitely a, a big plus. And then now it's uh, really just being able to spend more time with my family across the board. There was a lot of sacrifices that I had made in climbing that corporate yeah. ladder. And now being an entrepreneur, having a team of individuals has really allowed me to spend a lot more of that time with the family. And so that's probably, those are the kind of couple things that uh, have really resonated with me. Just one, being able to exit corporate America, and then uh, yeah. two, just being able to now spend a lot more of my time with my family, my, my wife and my two girls. Very good. Very good. Perfect. All right. So we've mentioned Vertical Street and the website. So we'll we'll put your social handles and your website, how to contact you in the show notes. Uh, but again, Steve, it was really, it was fantastic having you on the show. You brought a ton of value. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for being on on our podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, Randy. Really appreciate it. All right. And to our listeners, thank you as always for being on the, uh, listening to the show. Um, our advice we always give is just continue the education path until you have the confidence to make that first passive investment. And once you do, we are confident you will continue to do so uh, many, many more times in the future. So thank you again for listening and uh, we'll look forward to the next show. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.